0: Welcome back to Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders making the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall. In this episode, I'm pleased to welcome to our virtual studio David Van Sickle. David is the co founder and CEO of Propeller Health, a leading digital health company dedicated to the management of chronic respiratory disease. He founded Propeller Health in 2010, but he initially started his work in 2006 while at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. David was one of the early pioneers who spotted the ability to apply simple technology to medications to capture data that gives insights into both personal and population health. He and the team at Propeller Health worked tirelessly over the years to develop the technology, business models, regulatory approvals, and evidence to drive adoption of their product. Now, 14 years on, and this early digital health company is seeing a groundswell of interest as their products are used by some of the people who are most vulnerable to COVID-19. I wanted to know how their strong foundation and company mission supported their growth and evolution, and how, with their successful track record, they're supporting their users and communities to help them stay well and healthy. I was also interested to see if they've observed any changes in behavior by their users in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. I asked David about all of this and learned more about the early foundation of his company in our interview. Please be sure to stop by our website at digitalhealthtoday.com and sign up for our newsletter so you'll always be kept up to date. And of course, don't forget to look for us on our second home at Health Podcast Network, which you can find at healthpodcastnetwork.com. You can find us along with dozens of great podcast titles by leaders from across healthcare. Now, let's tune into the interview with David Van Sickle co-founder and CEO of Propeller Health. David, thanks for joining me. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Dan. Good to be here. David, first of all, for those listeners in the audience who are not familiar with Propeller Health, you're best known for basically adding electronics to inhaled medicine. The real story is much more complicated than that. So can you give us a little bit more
1: insight about the mission and the technology that Propeller develops? Sure. Yeah. As you mentioned, we're best known for adding electronics to a person's usual inhaler with the goal that collecting data about the use of those medicines could teach us a lot about the condition of asthma and COPD, essentially provide us a vital sign for how people were doing out in the community when they weren't in the clinic and allow us to do more to help them improve control of their condition, ideally with less effort, while also providing a novel perspective on these conditions across the community. The real problem that you're working to solve is to provide better
0: management, better treatment and outcomes for people battling respiratory conditions. And you had to do that by creating an experience, a digital experience that combines hardware and software and medications. Can you give us a a little idea just to sort of summarize the development
1: from the idea to where you are today as a business? Sure. Yeah, as you mentioned, I think uh, hardware is probably what we're best known for, but in reality, we're really a hardware-enabled software business. And we built the devices to monitor the use of inhaled medicines simply because that data didn't exist. We had this idea in the beginning that information about how often people were taking their medications would be an important signal that we weren't today or at that point capturing. And really by making it passive and allowing a person to provide that information without having to participate in the process in any way, we thought we'd get this objective and easily acquired signal that we could use to inform a software experience. In other words, could we use software to make daily life the burden of managing these conditions as a patient, as a person with asthma and COPD, a lot easier, more simple, more convenient, and a lot more successful? Most people don't realize that the majority of people with asthma today don't have their symptoms under control. So they've learned to accommodate essentially a lot more morbidity, a lot more symptoms, frequent episodes of wheeze, cough, difficulty breathing that they really should be having given what we know about the conditions and how to treat them and the medications that we have. So it isn't like we need a whole host of innovative medications here. What we really need is just better ways of applying and using what was already existing. And the goal of the digital side of Propeller was to really encourage and bring that into being. So like a lot of things with
0: technology, David, when we look back on it, it just seems to make sense. I mean, what you're doing to be able to bring the machine learning and the analytics to the data to be able to see where trends are happening and and help people stay healthy and avoid problem areas, that just all seems to make sense. But actually, I saw an interview you did when you gave an example of a study that was done in Barcelona that actually tracked the incidence of different respiratory issues around the movement of ships in the bay. Can you give a little summary of
1: that? Yeah, sure. It was this epidemic in Barcelona that really gave rise to the idea behind propeller in the first place. Essentially across the 1980s, beginning in 1981, emergency rooms in that city were overwhelmed with these really severe outbreaks of asthma that occurred on specific days. And the number of visits, the number of people showing up at the emergency room was significantly higher than it was on other days. And there wasn't really anything unusual about those individuals. The city, over the course of the subsequent eight or so years, put together a team that did a whole bunch of great epidemiological groundwork And finally realized that simply asking people where they were when their symptoms began allowed them to place the epidemic on a map, so to speak, and to track essentially the symptoms to exposures to soybean dust that was being released from the harbor silos where the appropriate filters hadn't been installed. So it was a great bit of epi shoe leather work, but nothing had really changed in the intervening 20 years before starting Propeller about how we were doing respiratory epidemiology. And what we realized was that by putting medication sensors in place, we'd be able to see in real time and with enough geographic specificity, when, where, among whom asthma was happening in a community, and that that might teach us something new about the disease and how it could be averted or mitigated or prevented. What grew up into Propeller initially started as a company called Asmapolis, one of the most poorly named but unforgettable <laughs> digital health companies you know it really had a early on a, a strong public health mission that's carried forward throughout the company's history we've done lots of work in places like Louisville to try to better understand asthma across a municipality in close collaboration with the city the mayor's office and to use the data that we we're collecting from residents to try to inform and You know, help those municipal officers essentially target and evaluate their work and apply scarce resources more effectively and efficiently. Well, the way you described that issue that was happening in Barcelona in the 80s,
0: it's very similar to what they did with cholera in London, right? Some years ago, when they were able to look at where cholera outbreaks were and identify how things were happening and things were being transmitted there. So uh, it's amazing how. When you just take a, a little bit of a different view instead of just looking at weather patterns or whatever you just look at simply location where people are and it can give you a whole new insight both on the individual level as well as the population level so we understand what you do and who you do it for but what i don't understand is why you do this what was the real motivation and your mission and passion behind creating propeller health
1: yeah, the public health part of the mission really drove the founding and the the initial work that we did at Propeller. But it was the realization that by equipping people's medications with these sensors and the digital feedback that resulted from it, that we might be able to help people recognize they weren't doing as well as they could be, and that we could provide to them some simple, practical advice about how they might do better. Essentially, that we could change their expectations for you know what might be accomplished in a life with asthma and COPD, and that we could provide that information to their physician in a way that would help them quickly identify who needs more help and attention actually getting control of the condition. When we realized through some initial clinical studies that we could do that effectively across a population, we thought that there might be a way to apply propeller to commercial populations to the members and the patients of health systems and payers across the US in whom asthma was widely uncontrolled. And for those organizations, that meant lots of preventable and expensive treatment failures that caused loads of unnecessary suffering. So how could we put this technology to work in ways that would bring about kind of a a whole change in the daily life of asthma and COPD and improve healthcare outcomes and lower costs at the same time? So it was really uh, that that drove the creation of the company and the commercialization of it with the whole time, kind of this idea that at scale, it would then also create public health value that we hadn't had before.
0: You were really ahead of the curve. So did you realize sort of how early you were when you came up with this idea and you started this company?
1: Um, Only in retrospect, when we first started working on the devices to monitor the inhalers, the sensors. We hadn't obviously had a chance to benefit from any of the miniaturization or you know any of the social trends around monitoring health with wearables or anything like that. And the smartphone didn't even exist. So a lot of what we did early on was, was written in mobile languages that don't exist anymore, like brew, for example. But I think what sticks out in my memory of that time is how little you actually needed technology. Once you're able to collect the data from the medications, all you really needed to do was to get it into an email, which was obviously widely used by then. And just that little bit of feedback was enough to convince people that they could do a better job with their asthma, not in terms of their own engagement with it, but just that there was more that was possible, that medications that they already had and could put to better use you know, could really make a big difference for them. And so in many ways, it never really was about the technology. It was just about if you made visible kind of the information that we knew was out there. We were already asking people essentially when they came into a clinic, You know, tell us how often you're using your inhaler in the past six months or something like that. Unfortunately, a question that's very difficult to answer accurately, of course, you can't remember that. But we knew that could be valuable. And all we were doing was essentially bringing that information to life and making it easier for people to, to see it and then getting it back in front of them and their clinician's attention so they could make adjustments to regimens. They could figure out what else might be going on. They could retrain people in how to use their inhalers appropriately and so on. And that made all the difference. We were able to cut essentially the number of people who had uncontrolled asthma in half in a relatively short period of time just with simple email feedback about how they were doing. So it was early, but it it didn't require a a huge lift in terms of technology.
0: And I guess in some ways, you were actually able to really focus on the person, the patient, the condition, and the outcome as opposed to graphics and sound design and you know the things that we expect now when we think around digital therapeutics or app experiences so for yeah. 14 years you've been working away getting this business off the ground establishing evidence making an impact and now we're going to come on to coronavirus and the change that we've experienced in the last three weeks. So for 14 years, you've been working, and I'm sure it's been a long haul for your organization with a lot of success and a lot of work. What are some of the big things when you look back over that 14-year period up till about January of 2020? What are some of the big things that you're most proud of or the big uh, milestones that you've been able to achieve and the impact you've made?
1: Well, sure. I think you highlighted one in the question, which is Across the team at Propeller and over the company's history, it was really never about trying to create technology for its own sake, but much more about how we might use technology to change the daily experience for someone who has asthma and COPD. We always thought that engagement for the point of that was the wrong direction. And so the company from the early days realized that if we just added cost to the system or if we added another chore to uh, the daily life of someone with asthma, we were really failing and that the view we had to take was one of what I think of as like mechanical advantage. How can we use technology to take some amount of effort or input and multiply it so that on the back end, a whole bunch of work is done? And believe me, I think these conditions have a lot of work around them. Lots of complicated daily regimens of medications that operate differently and have to be understood. They have different mechanisms of action, different form factors, and and different techniques associated with them. We have medications that aren't immediately obvious in the way they work, but are really important at preventing symptoms from ever occurring. And that is something that people have to understand when they're trying to figure out why they should be adherent to them. So the company was, from the early days, focused on, obviously, really approaching this like a medical device and getting regulatory clearance as a 510k system for what it was you to market. I think we were one of the first digital health companies to go through that process. And for us, it was really important to steer into that and to work with the agency to figure out how these devices could complement these amazing regimens that we had and the medications. How can we make them essentially easier and more effective for people to use? On the other side, we also spent a lot of time trying to accumulate clinical evidence. And I think some of the things I'm most proud of are the extent of the investment and energy that have gone in over the company's history to demonstrating that digital could be beneficial to people with asthma and COPD, not just in reducing the frequency of their symptoms and creating more nights free of cough or what have you, but also all the way through to showing that we could dramatically reduce emergency room visits and hospitalizations from these conditions, most of which incidentally are preventable treatment failures. If someone's doing a good job and they have appropriate regimens and support from their clinician, they really should never end up in the emergency room. And yet, we'd kind of grown to tolerate hundreds of thousands of these, if not millions of them, every year. And, you know, the company was always just kind of dogged in its pursuit that most of those should go away and that we should figure out a way to do that, you know, without adding to the list of things somebody with asthma and COPD have to do.
0: It's been a long journey for you over the past 14 years to get to the current state. And now, the group of people that you serve are some of the ones that are most at risk in the current crisis that we're facing. So what have you seen as a person leading an organization really focused on supporting this group of people with respiratory conditions? What are you seeing is sort of the impact on their lives?
1: We know from some of the early data that individuals who have some kind of underlying chronic condition, including chronic lung disease, are at an increased risk of poor outcomes from coronavirus infection. And I think as soon as that was obvious to us, the company has really rallied around its primary role, which is supporting and enabling a better care and treatment for everyone with asthma and COPD. Today, as I mentioned, a lot of people aren't doing well, but in the context of coronavirus, it's more important than ever that those individuals get their asthma and COPD under as tight a control as it can be so that Obviously, first and foremost, they're not going to the emergency room for an exacerbation that never should have happened in the first place. And second of all, that we're minimizing the risk that might accrue to them from having an underlying condition in the context of acquiring coronavirus. So the other thing that Propeller's really focused on today is how can we help organizations, our customers like Dignity, how can we be enabling them to go towards more fully remote monitoring of these conditions? A lot of asthma visits occur annually just as checkups and as a chance for a physician and a patient team to connect and assess how things are going. With digital tools like Propeller and obviously telehealth becoming an increasing part of the way these organizations are practicing today, it feels like a lot of those could be prevented or entirely averted. And yet we could still bring about, hopefully, great outcomes, you know, even more appropriate and optimal management of those conditions. So, we're thinking a lot and working hard to figure out how we can help places like Dignity do a better job of essentially managing these patient visits without them having to ever come into the clinic right now.
0: Yeah, keep people safe and at home wherever possible. What sort of changes are you seeing in terms of behavior? I mean, we're all changing our behavior based on how we're working, where we're working, how we're connecting with people. Is this having a positive impact on people's behavior in any way?
1: Yeah, we're seeing in our data a dramatic increase in adherence with inhaled steroids among our population. So obviously, these are medications that people should be taking regularly to prevent symptoms from occurring. We know they're highly effective anti-inflammatories and really important in achieving control of the conditions. But as I mentioned, a lot of people don't understand them or forget to take them. And so one of the things that Propeller has always done is focus on how to help make higher adherence, more regular adherence easier for people to accomplish. In the context of the pandemic, the guidance from all the allergy and respiratory societies has been uh, full adherence is the most important thing you can do here. Don't lay off your asthma regimens, your COPD regimens. And what we're seeing is people actually responding to that and increasing their adherence across the board. So that's reassuring. Obviously, there's still a lot to learn and to do there to support those people and to ensure that, that people who aren't able to access those medications or understand how to use them are getting the, the encouragement and the support and the information that they need from us. But for the moment, we're trying to focus on that. And then, as I mentioned, trying to help people get treated and get their regimens adjusted out of the clinic.
0: I'm so glad that solutions like yours exist. They didn't just exist starting a few weeks ago when this crisis came upon us. You've been working hard for over a decade to make this happen, and now it's a real opportunity for people to be able to use this in a much more proactive way to avoid some of the exacerbations that you talked about and to keep them safe and at home. So we're glad that you're there, glad you had the vision to do this and that you've done all the work to make this happen. We're in a new world now, and, and you just have to wonder is normal ever going to be normal again. So what are the opportunities or the changes that you think we're going to see longer term when we look at the way that digital health tools have been put into play during this coronavirus pandemic? And what do you think the future is going to be after that for companies like yours?
1: Yeah, we've been thinking a lot about it as a technology ratchet in the sense that we don't think that we're likely to go back to, you know, the annual asthma visit, which frankly hasn't been that successful at improving asthma control across the population historically. So that means in our view there's a lot of sense and support for figuring out how you can use machines and digital data to help support more effective patient-physician communication in the future in ways that don't necessarily require a person to show up at a clinic and wait and do that every so often. Across the population, it's much easier for a Propeller to notify physicians, respiratory therapists, and so on about individuals who aren't doing well based on what we're seeing their medication use look like and and other signals we're collecting from the system like spirometry and bringing them to their attention, helping them identify what might be going on and and how they could intervene. And I guess in our view, being able to quickly stratify those patients to spend time on individuals who aren't controlling the disease well and to get them the help they need so they can participate more fully in, in the activities they choose is really kind of the opportunity we have ahead of us Obviously, there's a lot to focus on right now with coronavirus and COVID. And I think we're seeing for the first time scientists work together across the world in like really productive and amazing and extraordinary ways. I think that we're going to see kind of a similar emergence of of a focus uh, based on digital technology we have, but also the new ways for people to make sense of their conditions, to bring the physician into their daily life and their decision-making about how they're going to accomplish what they're trying to get through their treatment. And we're working with our health system partners to enable them to bring that to their patient members. So I think that's our view of the future, but for the moment, and as part of ResMed, we're entirely focused on responding to what we can and trying to help the high-risk population that we serve be in the best position they can to weather kind of this risk as it passes over us in the community.
0: And I applaud your efforts doing that. I know you're having a big impact in individuals' lives and around the world. So thank you very much for for doing that and for leading your company, for forming the company in the first place so that you can be here to respond in times of need like this. I should also mention that by the time this podcast goes live, there's going to be a new paper that's been published in Nature. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. It's a paper in uh, Nature Energy and actually explores some of the work we've done in the Louisville area, Louisville, Kentucky, that I mentioned earlier. Essentially, we had, as I uh, described, a population of patients, um, residents of the Louisville Metro using Propeller for a period of time. And during that program, we were able to observe a number of coal-fired power plants that were retired as stricter emissions controls uh, came into being. And what the paper shows is essentially that the local residents' asthma symptoms and their asthma-related hospitalizations and emergency room visits dropped dramatically during that period. I guess this isn't news in the sense that coal-fired power plants are well-known to emit pollutants that are associated with adverse respiratory health effects, including asthma attacks and ER visits and hospitalizations. It does kind of add to the evidence base that when we're able to shift away from those power sources and those emissions, we're able to you know make a really positive impact in daily respiratory health and prevent a lot of unnecessary healthcare utilization and asthma events that bring a lot of suffering to individuals and their families. So that'll be coming out shortly in in Nature Energy.
0: Excellent. Well, we'll include a link to that in the show notes as soon as that's available. How can people find out more about Propeller and get in touch with you?
1: Sure. Our our website is Um, propellerhealth.com. Since about a year and a half ago, we've been wholly owned by ResMed, which is our parent organization. ResMed is obviously in the news as an important global manufacturer of devices like invasive and non-invasive ventilators and CPAP machines you know, we're working with them to respond to coronavirus and COVID. So I hope people will also tune into the work that ResMed is doing, which has really been an extraordinary cross-company effort to make more and to bring those devices where they need to be right now in response to coronavirus.
0: Excellent. And we'll have links to you and your company on Twitter and LinkedIn in the show notes as well so people can find out more about your company by looking at the show notes in their favorite podcast player. So David, listen, thank you so much for taking time to share your experience with our listeners and to share some of the work and insights that you have there at the helm of Propeller. Wish you a lot of luck getting through this crisis. Hope you stay safe and healthy and can make a massive impact for the people that you serve.
1: Thanks again, Dan. I appreciate the encouragement and support. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks for listening and for tuning into another episode of Digital Health Today, a production of Mission-Based Media. Please be sure to check out the show notes for this episode, and remember that you can find all our episodes on your favorite podcast player, as well as digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash podcasts. If you're looking for more great health podcasts, then be sure to check out all the shows on the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com. Music and audio engineering for this episode was by Ivan Urich. I'm Dan Kendall, and I've been your host. Thanks for tuning in and until next time, keep on innovating.